Slice Audio. What's up, nerds? Halfway through December. Holy shit, we're almost there. 15 days left, man. You can do it. We can do it. Just scrape and claw and fight your ass through two more goddamn weeks of the worst year you've had in memory. And then even though it's not going to get immediately better, let's, here we go, clock in again. Just shake it off. Taylor Swift style, man. Um, I'm sitting in our podcast studio here at the Home Slice Audio Network, or whatever we're calling ourselves this week. <laughs> and, and they just got done shooting whiskey at work in here. So there's like, it looks, it, it looks, there's like cameras and lights set up. There's bottles of whiskey all around because it's whiskey at work. It looks like a very sad ending to somebody's first pornographic experience. <laughs> that being said, give that show a listen. You can listen. Uh, you go to Whiskey. I think the best way to watch it is on social media because you can get all the interactions. Give a Whiskey at Work a spin. Or you can listen to their podcast at homesliceaudio.com. Although they left a bottle of whiskey in here. What do we got? Um, The Quiet Man. Traditional Iris Whiskey. A superior oak cask matured blend. Uh, let's see. Oak oak bourbon cask matured. Mellow and smooth. Should we find out if it is actually mellow and smooth? Let's give this a spin here. Ooh, smells, smells a little scotchy. We're just going to drink this out of the bottle. No one's looking. Oh, shit. You can't do that because it's COVID. Oh, God damn it. Here, let me pour a little thing here. I'll use this. Dun, 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 dun. All right, here we go. Oh, that's a good, that's a real scotchy Irish whiskey. I like that. Real sweet finish. I could be on that show. Oh, speaking of things I'm drinking, now that we just did a shot, I'm getting a little tea heat from the last episode. Specifically from, and let me drop my first big DC name here, Mr. Casey Phillips from Red Print Strategy, giving me shit about the tea drinking. Well, let me tell you, this evening we have a nice uh, Tazo Zen green tea to accompany my quiet man Irish whiskey. I have to say, I'm getting a little shit for drinking the tea like I'm some pussy, but like, okay, here's the thing. So I can't, so I had a cup of coffee at like, two o'clock one day and I was up all night. I'm that I'm that's the age I am. And so it's tea for me. And it turns out this is the turns out the following is true. Tea is by far superior. It's better tasting. It tastes better than coffee. Sometimes I still want a coffee. You know what I mean? And like, you know what I crave? This is really strange. Here's a throwback story for you. When I was in high school, I worked at a packing plant and like where you send like when you get done raising the pigs, you send the pigs to the packing plant and, and the packing plant turns the pigs into chunks of meat. And then another plant turns the chunks of meat into the delicious bacon you put on your cheeseburgers every night. I worked in the packing plant and for a while I worked in the barn. Right. And so they had this coffee pot there. And it, it was all really hard, really rusty tasting water. Surely that was going to have, a, there's a, must be a ton of unhealthy chemicals in this hard, old, gross, rusty water. But they make coffee with it real strong to try to get rid of all the rust taste. And sometimes I crave that terrible, rusty coffee, like it just for the nostalgia of it all. Also, I love a good, give me a good French press. Like I can speak coffee. I was a coffee snob for a lot of years. I spent a lot of years in my youth carrying around books I didn't really understand, wearing Argyle sweaters, trying to get hand jobs from girls who thought I looked smart. I understand coffee, sir. Ooh, I'm not sure my voice is going to hang in for an entire podcast tonight. I have literally, as I'm recording this, it's a bit after seven. I have literally been talking for 12 hours, it seems. <clears throat> it's just been one of those days, but we'll try to get through it here. 
By the way, my friend Casey Phillips, he has a movie out you should watch. Um, Casey Casey is a West River ranching boy from South Dakota who is a bit of a political mastermind, if I don't mind saying so. He's done a lot of really interesting stuff, and that's kind of how we got to know each other a bit. Um, but recently he made a movie called Win, Lose, or Draw Straws. Um, I believe the website is – let me look this up. Dun, 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 dun. Drawstraws.film is what the website is, and you can buy it. I think you can get this on Amazon Prime as well. Um, the movie's called Win, Lose, or Draw Straws, and it and it's an entire documentary about how some elections are literally chosen by like a straw, straw – you draw straws or you flip a coin or you draw a thing out of a hat or there's a bingo thing. And like, it's it. And you'd be amazed how many elections get down to it. And the really interesting thing about it is this movie came out right before this election and this election, at least the first, you know, on, on the eve of election night looked like it might be one of the closest in history. It turns out it was a complete ass kicking by about 7 million votes, but that's for another story. Um, <laughs> But like someone, look at Georgia right now. Look how close that is. If you think, if you find any of that interesting, this is a movie you need to watch. It's called Win, Lose, or Draw Straws. And like support a local dude, man. Here's a guy in South Dakota, or at least from South Dakota, and uh, he he made this movie, and it's great. It's not. I'm not just saying I like it because I like. I'm friends with Casey. I if I was friends with Casey and didn't like the movie, I would tell you all right now that I like Casey, but his movie sucks. But I like Casey, and his movie's pretty good. So give it a shot. Um, where are we going to start here today? Boom, 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 do, 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 do. It's crazy December. Remember every month we pick a thing. We started with uh, Sober October. No, we started with Self-Help September where we did the yoga. And then we did a little Sober October in November. It was Bendy November with back into the yoga. This month it is uh, just checking in with your brain. Mental health is real. You should take care of it. You should talk to a therapist, whether you feel fine or not. I think everybody should talk to a therapist. That doesn't make you a pussy. That makes you awesome. That makes you working on it because we've all got bullshit. And the more bullshit you can drop, the better we're all going to be. And I don't mean this in some bullshit crunchy granola deal either. Like the more with it you are, better we are as people. And the better we are as people, that means we're more innovative, we're more kind, we're more artistic, we're more creative. All the things we need to be better at right now on the world stage, I think. And this is not, it's not a Trump thing either. This is just like, you know, we've become lazy Americans. And I think part of that might be a byproduct of not understanding that we're not dealing with our bullshit. So deal with your bullshit a little bit. I'm not saying you got to start a war. That doesn't mean you got to go conquer somebody. That means you got to talk to your own mind and maybe a therapist. Because the thing that you think you're mad about isn't really what you're mad about. All right. We're just whipping through shit today, aren't we? Um, dun, 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 dun. Oh, I got one more funny Casey, Casey Phillips. Sorry, I'm not going to make this whole deal about Casey, but he also was appreciating the three uftas that were in the last episode. So I, um, if you'd like to make a drinking show out of this podcast, I suggest the following new ufta game. So every ufta you hear from my uh, chubby upper Midwestern Polish mouth. I'm not actually Polish. I'm German. But like, drink. Drink on the Uftas. New game here on the hit show, Book of Murdoch. Which, by the way, you can subscribe to. If you listen to this on a cell phone through Stitcher or Apple or Spotify, most of you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts. Give it a uh, give it a rating. Do you mind? We're getting some wheels on this bitch. So like, I wouldn't mind some you know, give it a little love, will you? Give it a give it a like. Tell two friends. That's what we'd established uh, last episode. If you are not going to buy anything that sponsors this show, that's fine. I don't really give a shit. That I mean, I appreciate my sponsors and want you to support them. And when you can and you feel like it, I that's right on. High five to you. But at the same token, if you're not going to buy anything, how about you extend your little T-Rex arms down to your phone and tell two friends? And then you don't have to buy shit. Same goes for them. They can either buy something when we'll get to the sponsors later on in the show, or they can tell two friends. And then we'll just keep growing this some bitch. Drink on the uftis. 
Oh yeah, I, let's do. Let's just burn through all the mail, um, or at least the ones I want to read about the last episode. Uh, I have a metric system update. It's my position, if you were just joining this podcast and this is your first episode, that we should switch to the metric system because there's like three countries that aren't on the metric system. It's like us, fucking Myanmar or whatever it's called now, and like Liberia maybe. That's not a list that we generally want to be on. Like the list of things that we have in common with Myanmar and Liberia outside of we refuse to use the metric system can't be good. There's no commonality there that I feel like we should be sharing. But Mr. Christopher Hornick, who is our head of digital here at Home Slice Media, has a theory and generally speaking, he's the smartest person in the room he's in. And so hear me out. He might be right. His position is go all in, like lean into it, make it real American. And I can buy into this. Like maybe we don't use the metric system. We keep the U.S. standard system or whatever we call it. And we make it like an iPhone. Like every three years, you got to buy the widget that tells you what an ounce used to mean. And if you don't buy the new thing, you just can't keep up. Like I can get behind the commercialism of it all as like a last gas. Okay, for like 30 more years, we're going to really capitalize on digging our heels in on not embracing the metric system. And then like my kids' kids' people, they can figure out how to then adapt us into the metric system. But like right before it goes down, let's make a shitload of money off it. That's pretty American. I think we can pull it off. I can kind of buy into some of that. Like you got to buy the new Apple Fugenhugen to know how many ounces used to be what a gallon was to then tell you how many milliliters you need. And then, like, because, you know, we're all dumb Americans, and we if you buy it, then you can slightly, like... Through capitalism, learn the metric system. Suck it, communists. We figured it out. (laughs) If that happens, I want a chunk of it. Or at least I want to be able to pitch the business. Um, What are we going to go through here? So New Year's Eve is coming up. And it's COVID New Year's Eve. And like... For a litany of reasons, hear me out on on reconfiguring New Year's. 2020 is the perfect year to like stop this moronic tradition. Although I I do want to keep the the party atmosphere and the hope of it all. Like I want to keep the things that are fun about New Year's, but like when is the last time New Year's Eve has been fun? New Year's Eve always sucks. It just completely sucks. There's too many amateurs. Nobody knows how to drink. You know what I mean? Like, nobody knows how to drink until midnight. You need to be a professional. You can't start <laughs> with, like, a, a three gallons of Chinese food and, and 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 champagne, and then you go to shots and beer, and then you got to keep it together because usually at 1130, this is when you go tonight after a bite of cheeseburger. But, like, no, you got to keep it up until, like, midnight and, like, an hour beyond because that's what's socially acceptable. So you continue to drink because, but you don't know how to do it, and that's that's how you see Tiffany in some fucking busted heels, crying about Ted on the phone to Bill, and then that's New Year's. What an opportunity! It's twenty twenty. We can, you know, professionals should be able to shine here, and amateurs should learn how to either stay home or figure it out. You know what I mean, like. I know how to drink and not be an embarrassing mess. Not that I've never been an embarrassing mess. I'm not being pious. You know how I learned that you can't do that? I've had three gallons of Chinese food and champagne and beer and shots and et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, I've been, I don't necessarily think I put on a pair of broken eels and like bitched about Todd to Bill, but you know, whatever the male version of that is. But like, how about you don't do that on New Year's? Do that on Halloween or St. Patrick's Day. Like, there's a lot of amateur drinking holidays that you can still hold on to. But what if New Year's Eve was just a night for professional drinkers to go out and actually shine? You know what I mean? We're just having a good time. You can keep all the things. You don't necessarily have to tie it around the epic kiss at midnight because that's ridiculously stupid. But, like, 
I just think that's the that's that's that should be our night. Could still be a party and all of that, but like I'm around eleven fifteen. If you can't hang, you gotta go home. And the people who are left at midnight. Of course, there's a word for this if you're just really good at drinking and you can hang until midnight. That's just kind of Tuesday. Like I can talk myself out of this because I feel like I might be proposing alcoholism a little bit. But I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you just want to leave it to the real good drinkers, you can find them on Monday. Regardless. It sucks though like New Year it's a like first off it's New Year's and it's COVID and it's 2020. Don't be going up and down licking everybody's, you know, beads or whatever happens. I'm old, I don't do New Year's anymore, but like you know, give that a year. Of all the holidays you can fucking take a night or a take a year off of, it certainly must be New Year's Eve. Young people don't give a shit though, do they? Right? Like if I'm 22, you could you could you could duct tape my entire body to the toilet and nail gun my feet to the floor. But like young people don't give a shit, right? Young people are just gonna do whatever because they're invincible. You people are part of the problem. That's not even a mass thing. That's just you can't have 500 people in a room. Although, you know, I'm not going to judge you if you do. You're going to do what you're going to do anyway. I'm tired of being militant about it. Um. Oh, yeah. I got, sorry. I We need to go back to the last episode a little bit. The, I got McRib heat. I, there's a, there's a, there's many number of you defending the McRib and so many, which I think some podcasters might be like, hmm, maybe I should change my tune on the McRib, but I got to tell you, I'm just digging in. You're all insane. It's not good. There's nothing delicious about the McRib. It's a pressed piece of cadaver meat and with really shitty barbecue sauce and a half an onion with a bunch of pickles and too much bread. None of, there's nothing, there's, there's, it's not, it's terrible. And I'm not even against terrible drunk fast food food. I love drunk fast food food. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm 249 pounds right now. I love myself some fast food, but not the McRib is terrible. And, and like your anger, not anger strong. Nobody is really that mad about it, but, but many of you are, um, insisting that the McRib is delicious in an, in an, in an attempt to try to. I think prove me wrong by going to MurdochJones.com and interacting by, via text or email or however you do it. Some of you are just are, are like you're I like listen, man, it's not good. It's chalkboard eraser marinated in sugar water and brown food coloring until it's chewable microwaved or fried i'm not sure frying might help it actually if you just dip the whole thing in batter fry it and dip it in ranch it might taste better it might at least it's it could at least pass as carnival food but like i don't even i don't i'd like even you potheads who are like all in with this i'm i can't go with you man the mcrib is just terrible and and i'll repeat once again i'm not a mcdonald's hater Nothing wrong with a quarter pounder with cheese, extra pickles. That's my jam. But like, boy, you people are into the McRib. It's like you're the, it's like you're the Heaven's Gate people about fast food. You're just gonna put on the sneakers and drink the things. Did they drink the things in Heaven's Gate? I know there's a new documentary about it. They drank. They didn't drink. Did they drink the poison? They drank the, the Kool Aid was. God dang, I was just talking about this too. The Kool Aid was Jamestown. How did the Heaven's Gate? Oh, now we gotta look this up. Heaven's Gate. Ooh, we're jumping all around today. The Heaven's Gate UFO group. Bob, if you're going to watch that documentary, by the way, fast forward a couple of minutes. They have participated in a mass suicide in order which they believe was a spacecraft. Oh, yeah. There was a big spaceship behind the comet. How did they kill themselves? Mass suicide. Don't do this. Kill themselves. Members took. Oh, uh, they took a pill with applesauce or pudding and then washed it down with vodka. I don't know if the vodka is really going to help you that much, are they? Do you really want to get drunk right before you cash the fuck out? I don't feel like you need to. Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting a mix to induce asphyxiation. Jesus. 
took the pills, drank all the vodka, then suffocated yourself. Like, that's a bummer. Like, man, I got to watch this Heaven's Gate documentary. Think about that. Like, this is what I think about when I read that. Because, like, how many people killed themselves, right? How many people? 39 people. Picture 39 of your closest friends and or peers and even maybe some extended family. And then talk 39 of them into killing themselves because there's an alien spaceship behind a comet that's only going to be here once. And obviously that's ridiculous. And like, I think if you were really into it, you could maybe talk one or I think the average person can maybe get one or two people to join a suicide religious cult with them. But imagine the guy who can talk 39 of those fucking people to do this and not only do it, do it wearing a goofy outfit. Like not only do you got to kill yourself, you got to dress like Steve Jobs while you do it. That guy, that's talent, not healthy talent that I'm promoting and complimenting, but like legit talent. You have to, like I talk to people for a living a bit and like, I couldn't, not that I have any inclination to, I couldn't talk 39 people into killing themselves with me. I'm not jealous or anything, but, like, I do, like, I respect the game. Like, you got to respect the game of Heaven's Gate. Or not Heaven's Gate. Marshall Applewhite. That's his name. I'm on the Wikipedia page here. I don't just know all this stuff. You got to you gotta respect the game of Mr. Applewhite. That's impressive to be able to convince 39 people to kill themselves wearing white Nikes. I mean, fuck him. Cause like, that's, you know, <laughs> that's, the, that's the... respect is a hard word here because like, you know, obviously he's a lunatic, but he talked 39 people and kill themselves. It's pretty goddamn impressive as far as that goes. And Jim Jones, man, Jim Jones is like the godfather how charming do you got to be to, like, not only set up a cult where everybody moves to Africa or wherever the fuck they were, and then, uh, but on top of that, you get to have sex with everybody, and then you get everyone to drink all this Kool-Aid. This is insane. How do people fall for this? It, like, the internet makes it a lot harder to fall for these cults because you can, like, everyone wants a bitch, including me, about the problems of the internet. But I will say this about the internet. I feel like it's made it a lot harder to join cults where you're going to kill yourself to join the alien spaceship behind the comet. Because you can Google some shit now and be like, mm, I don't know. That being said, the internet itself created its own weird cults. So it's probably, you know, a trade-off overall. <laughs> Heaven's Gate. That was some real 90s stuff. Oh, yeah. Remember? Let's talk about the 90s. I think it was the 90s. Was it the 90s or the 80s? Remember? Um, God damn it. What's his name? Who's the dude? Who's the dude who had his dick cut off? His wife cut his dick off. Uh, 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 I, I feel I can feel you guys screaming at me right now. Bobbit. John, John, John Wayne Bobbit. Is it John Wayne Bobbit? Bobbit. John. Hold on. Oh, this show is much more fun when I have my laptop in front of me. John and Lorena Bobbitt. That's right. Lorena Bobbitt. Okay, this is... Okay, hold on. Before I get to the Wikipedia page, this is what I vaguely remember about the story. If, if for those of you... like Some of you might not remember this deal. I think he was being a son of a bitch. And like in the middle of the night, she took a kitchen knife to his, to his gajing and like... Did he? Did she throw it in the garbage disposal, and then it wouldn't go? And so then she took it down the road and like threw it in the ditch. Is that is that how that goes? Oh, let's find out if I'm right here. Okay. Um, John Wayne and Lorena Bobbitt. 
where an American couple whose relationship made worldwide headlines. 1993, super 90s, very good. Years of being raping, raped, beaten, sodomized by her husband. Oh, shit. That's, well, I know he was a son of a bitch, but I, I thought maybe it was him being a bastard with, you know, cocktail waitresses and stuff. But um, I will say alleged. I don't, I don't know any of this. Okay, the attack. Um, so I guess he raped her, which is, you know, like, uh, you know, whatever. Let's get over that. So she gets out of bed. She goes to the kitchen for a drink of water. She grabbed an eight inch carving knife, returned to the bedroom, pulled back the sheets and like caught it, caught it off. Then, <laughs> then she took the apartment, uh, took the appendage. And oh, after driving, she threw it out the window. Oh, so she didn't throw it into the garbage disposal. I'm not making that part up. God, didn't somebody do that? Didn't somebody do that and throw it in the garbage disposal? I don't really want to Google that on network computers, really. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so she threw it out in the field. Then she stopped and called 911. And then she told the cops where the penis could be found. And then they found the penis. And then after being washed with antiseptic and packed in ice, it was reattached. Remember when America was known for fucking being awesome? In 1993, we got to tell the world that we were so smart we could reattach a penis. What happened to our ingenuity? Now we just fight with each other on social media. This is why you got to talk to a therapist. Some cutting edge stuff. We're just not known for that anymore. Oh my God! That dude went off, went on to star in porns. I mean, I guess there's an ice cream flavor for every tongue. Can you imagine if that Bobbit thing happened today? That woman would be like, they'd put her ass on Mount Rushmore right now. So they cut off a rapist penis in the Me Too movement. Oh my God, Lorena, Lorena Bobbit kind of got known as like a sideshow circus of the whole deal, right? Like. Their depiction of in popular media was not like, I you know, Lorena Bobbitt, she'd be a hero. Imagine the attention she would bring to all of this. Because, like, who knew about marital rape? God, it's 2020, and even I don't know how to talk about it now. Oh, my God, though. Remember when John Wayne Bobbitt went on Stern and all that? Oh, my. It, listen, if your wife or your significant other cuts your penis off, don't go on the media and talk about it. I'm in the media, and I want you to do that. And if that happens to you, I swear to God, I want you to call me. Like, call me. Like, find, go to my website, reach out. If your wife has cut your penis off, I would, I would very much like to talk to you about it. But also, don't you fucking dare talk to me about it. Because that, that's not going to do you near the favors you think it is. That being said, that's not how that works. Because let's say this person is real, this hypothetical person I'm talking about. You want to get your story told of the deal because the internet's saying shit about you, so you want to go and defend yourself. I'll give you a fair shake, but, like, I still wouldn't do it if I was your agent. Got to give that shit some time. Oh, my goodness. There was a bunch of copycat crimes after that. After that, after What's-Her-Nuts cut his penis off, there was a bunch of, well, hey, look at Lorena. Oh, well, she was kind of famous after this. Good for her. In February 2019, Amazon released Lorena, a four-part docu-series produced by Jordan Peele about the incident, which features interviews with both of them. Oh, shit. I should watch that. That sounds good. I would watch that for sure. I don't know why. I don't really care. But, like, I'm just... Can you imagine if that happened now, right? Like, imagine that on Facebook. That woman would get a... They'd offer her... I mean, she'd be famous, famous, like mega famous reality show, like hugely famous. That kind of sunshine, though, that sometimes that's not always good. Where in the hell did we get on the John and Lorena Bobbitt? Oh, the 90s. That's right. That was some 90s shit. There's some weird things about the 90s. Line dancing. Remember line dancing? What? Oh, speaking of the 90s, I got a great band recommendation from you. So, okay, remember the refreshments? By the way, this comes from uh, this comes from my friends, uh, Denise and Weston at Black Hills Tire. 
sponsors of the Black Hills Tire, Retraction Traction. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that old bit. If you hear me say something that's just utterly and completely false, you send an email into the show and, like, you, I don't know, I'll send you something nice of some sort. I'm working on some shirts and maybe we'll start that up. So, like, if you hear if you hear me say something completely and utterly false, and then I can't defend it in any way, shape, or form, like, oh, yeah, I had a flip lip word, I didn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just patently wrong. Then, you know, congrats for you. It's only happened once so far, to my knowledge. I'm, I'm sure it's happened a bajillion times, by the way, but only one time have I been hardcore caught on it. By the way, from Weston and Tanise. That's how they got to name a bit. Anyways, Jesus, got off on a tangent there. They gave me um, a band recommendation uh, called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, and they gave it to me um, months ago, and I kind of forgot about it and didn't listen to it, and we were talking to them again and, and catching up, and, and, and they reminded me about that band. So I finally listened to it, right, because I was being a bad friend. I didn't give it a spin. I totally forgot I love this dude. Remember the refreshments in the 90s? Had a couple of albums. Had that Bandito song that was like mega, mega hit. Lead singer of that band named Roger Klein. He's got a band that continues to this day called Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. And they're just super cool. It's got a really great kind of... There's some outlaw country vibe to it, which is that's the scene I'm in right now, so it just kind of works. But it's a it, it like if you got into the refreshments at all, if you're a fan of the band refreshments past the single hit, like you bought the record because you were a member of the Columbia House CD deal, then you bought the next one because you're like, ah, oh, they must have another song I like. And then 95% of you didn't listen to any of them ever. You only listened to the hit. The 5% of you that got into it kind of got really into it. Well, you would like Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, which you probably already know. I'm just late to the game on this. But, like, I got to see this guy play live. It's pretty good. You should give it a spin. I'll put some uh, I'll put some of their songs on my Spotify playlist, which you can listen to by searching Book of Murdoch. Um, a lot of songs about tequila. A lot of songs about Mexico. Cowboys horses a lot of songs about vegas and gambling and like the one that got away but it's not all sad and depressing a lot of it's really clever too it's just good music a lot of songs about tequila though which i can get into well tequila and beer is just like the best way to drink not like a shot of tequila and a chase the beer but like a good tequila chilled sip it and then alongside that have a beer you got to keep that cool though that's a that's a dangerous roller coaster to be on because you can only do a couple of rounds you can't do that nine times. You'll die, especially on New Year's Eve. We want to talk about next. Where are we at here? Oh, we got time for some more stuff. God, you know what I'm noticing? I talked about this last episode, too. It's hard to like, here's my new and this is part of crazy December, like I've been stressing out a lot about weight, right? And like this time of year, it's like, you know, it's a lot of dinners for work and a lot of a lot of catching up and Christmas presents and drink here and drink there and and you know, all the Thanksgiving food I ate and the leftovers and the pie and the cookies and like this time of year there's 18 ton pallets of fucking bagels and sweets and cookies and it's just, you know, it's you guys have the same thing at your work. It's just that time of year. Holy shit, I'm just fat. You have three cookies, and then you lose all your momentum, and then you get mad about it. And then normally what happens, and this is what I'm noticing with my old age, I'll just be like, well, I fuck it. You know what I mean? And then it's cheeseburgers every day as far as the eyes can see. How about just keep it? I'm going to keep it under 250. Not going to get over 250. Not saying I got to get to 235 by the end of the month, but like, I'll just keep it under 250. Then we'll start again in January. Because normally I'll come in January coming in hot, 262 or whatever. Because I'll just treat Christmas like I'm getting fattened at the feedlot before I get slaughtered. Just eat like I'm going to the chair for nine days. And then I'm I'm as big as a bowling ball. And then I'm depressed about it. So you go out and you drink on New Year's Eve try to feel better about yourself. And that doesn't work either. Because I'm to the age now where you're hungover for a month. Unless you're a professional. And I am. Um, anyways, I don't know if I had a point with all that. Just don't stress out as much about it. Set yourself a limit. Don't let yourself get over it. That allows you to still be pretty piggish during the holidays. And that's kind of fun because do you really, you know, who wants to go hang out with the Christmas drink or 
ketchup or gift delivery over a, you know, celery juice. That just sounds disgusting. That's to be done over a beer or a bourbon. Or a non-alcoholic beer, if that's your thing. Um, okay, here's the thing. We have to talk about this because I've been teasing it, teasing it, teasing it. And like, okay, so like, let me start here. Sometimes, <laughs> specifically with stories from El Sister, like we've been doing stories from El Sister for a while. So I don't know. It's, I don't have one every time because they're starting to get a little thin and I don't want to repeat myself. And so they're getting a little harder to come up with the good ones, right? You really got to think about it. Or you really got to remember when you have that aha moment. And I always often forget to write it down. But I've been remembering this for weeks now. And I finally called my brother and my sister about it for some fact checking. And so, like, I thought I had a really juicy caper of a story from El Sister. Because, and let me give you the really cliff note version of what's in my head. At the church that we grew up in, at Nathaniel Lutheran, they had the nativity scene in the front of the church. And in my head, and I'm still not convinced this isn't true, the Lord baby Jesus was stolen every year. And I remember it being a very, like, (laughs) I feel like it would have been less offensive to the church if you would have spray painted a dick on the side of, of the church, like, I feel like they would have been more, they, I, I'm telling you they I remember the church being like, Oh my goodness gracious. They stole the Jesus. And then it was just funny because it would happen every year. But as I was fact checking this with my brother and my sister, my brother is younger than me and my sister is older than me. And so we're, we're, we're probably scanning a memory of, and they both have great memories for this. They've been good fact checkers for me. But we're talking about a spread of about a decade here of memory, and they don't really remember it that way. So now I'm wondering if I'm wrong. I'm not convinced that I'm wrong. I still think that is the caper. But if there's any of you in Sister who listen to this thing as I tell these hokey stories, if you remember this with any specificity, go to Book of Murdoch uh, at gmail.com or go to the website and shoot me a text or whatever. I'm I'm pretty sure I like so we need to put a pin in the great big caper I've been teasing for like three episodes now because I don't it might not it turns out it might not be a caper so in, <laughs> instead of being a big screen premiere it might it might just be a made for TV movie but hopefully not a Hallmark movie well because they're for a while there in in the town we grew up in so it's very small right. And so, like, the senior class was, like, 20-whatever, 30-whatever people. And if they were real wild, the the school, the high school kids would be a little more wild, right? There'd be more cookies and more speeding and more, you know, vandalism at the golf course and mailbox wrecking and minimum maintenance roll parties, like the normal teenage stuff. But then for a while there, there was some real clean living Jesus seniors that, so the, you know, it was a little bit more like the original town from Footloose for a while. Not that nothing crazy didn't happen, but like certainly not more wild. Then the class above me were real outlaws, man. Like there were, <laughs> there were some, and they're all, they're all bad, they're all good people, not like murderers or anything. Um, I don't know, a couple of rapists, maybe a couple of thieves in there, but like for the most part, they were just hell raising wild. And I think, and, and like, I'm not trying to um, indict anybody, but I feel like the baby Jesus stealing started with the class of 98 and then maybe continued for some time. That is my theory. But if anyone out there in El Sister land would like to, you know, let's entertain the world here. You can, you can, you can fill me in a little bit. That being said, if you are from El Sister, like, and you've got some stories from El Sister, you want on the air, like, you listen. You're the source. You're the source of the spring. You can give me the stories. Couple of rules, though. I would like to not be mean individually to people. So if somebody did something, and I don't want to shame or wreck their lives or anything, so you can keep that shit at bay. I don't even want to know that stuff. But like, for example, here's where I will break that rule. Remember Ed Gross, a previous story from El Sister where he painted Mickey Mouse full size on the back of his house, giving the bird to his neighbor, Roland. I'll take those all goddamn day. Those are funny. <laughs> uh, I feel like I should give you a, a I, I owe you a make good story from El Sister though. Um, 
All right, I'll I will do this. I will give you a really good, really embarrassing, make good story from El Sister on the next episode about rabbit hunting. How's that? I'll tell you about. I'll tell. I'll even put a note here. Story from El Sister rabbit hunting. All right. Um. That's about it. I don't think I'm going to do the news or anything here. Um, I want to give a note. Uh, there's a here in a lot of you listen to this and you don't have you've never even been to where I live. And while I appreciate your listening, I want to talk about something local here for a second. There's an old radio dude here. His name is um, Brian Fisher. Everybody called him Doc, Doc Fisher. And he had recently passed away. So I just wanted to throw an RIP out to Doc Fisher. He was a real old radio dude. Old radio dudes are the fucking best, man. Like, you know, they've got the, they've, <clears throat> hey, hey, Murdoch, how you doing, man? Like, they've got the voice and, like, they, they know everything of everybody in the entire town because they've been to every event for, like, 40 years and they came up in radio where radio is a little different than it is now. Like, radio is going through a really great and interesting transformation. And the next generation of really famous radio voices or really famous voices just in the audio space, they're going to come out of radio. I mean, they're going to have new things with it like podcasts and on-demand audio and social media and that kind of stuff. But radio is going to... You'd be amazed how fast and far radio will drive those voices still. And, and, and so there's a, like the next great radio voices are coming out of the people who are going to do with what happens with radio next. And they remind me of what old, like they're going to be the next old radio dudes, right? Because old radio dudes know what that's like to like be voices of generations and be that hugely, you know, meaningful to a, a, a lot of people's lives, like old radio guys uh understand that and then the, and then radio got a little corporate for a while so there's a dip in all of that and 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 so now there's like a big opportunity for the next group of voices i sound like a lunatic and if you're not in this industry at all i'm just babbling and you don't understand what i'm saying but it's a really interesting time for that space because it makes me remember these old radio dudes were losing. Like we just lost Doc Fisher, who's probably been to 13 million sports games. You know what I mean? And like did did political shows through his years and sold radio ads and just uh, you know had that voice. You know, um, it just it makes me think of all the other old radio dudes I miss. Doc was Doc was Doc was an old radio dude, man. He was a Wilbury. It makes me remember Dave Diamond often, like. Okay, so there's like there's one guy. Okay, here's here, we'll tell this story and then we'll get out of here. So there's one guy that's probably the single biggest reason I have like the just an egregious amount of ego and blind belief in myself. Like here I am at seven forty nine <laughs> in, in in the in the middle of nowhere in Western South Dakota producing a podcast that I'm just convinced one day is going to turn into something. Like I actually believe that. I know that sounds, and I don't mean like Joe Rogan money. But like, you know, regional magician famous is the first level of fame we're trying to achieve with this deal, right? At least to the point where my hometown creates a home of Murdoch Jones uh, <laughs> sign. So like Dave Diamond instilled that in all of us. This is Dave Diamond. Man, this guy. You can you can Google this guy. There's a, there's a lot of websites of old audio you can listen from him. Like this guy was all right. So he was born in South Dakota. I believe he was born and raised in Howard, South Dakota. And he, and he, and he um, got into the radio business in the uh, probably the 50s, late 50s maybe. And became this mega jock. Like went to Omaha, then went to Denver. And then in the 60s went to Los Angeles as Los Angeles was transitioning from AM into FM. And he had this late evening show called The Diamond Mine, which was all this, you know, it's the late 60s, right? So that's a lot of partying and a lot of drugs and a lot of psychedelic music becoming cool for the first time. Like this dude, um, it, and it's in a couple of the Jim Morrison books, like Dave was a radio dude and Light My Fire was like seven minutes long on the original version. And like he was one of the radio guys that taught him how to make it a three and a half minute monster single. That's what Dave Diamond did. And like he partied with the Beatles and the Stones and he's the record producer on a bunch of songs like old oldies that you'll hear 
like his his he bought the royalties of it all and he was a producer and he started writing books like he was mega famous like mega mega famous there's there's uh there's there's children that were born to the diamond mine as there was just ravenous fans of the whole thing i had a huge following then he moved up to san francisco how any of that relates into any of us is when he retired, he moved out to Black Hill State and he just continued to write books, but he also taught communications at Black Hill State University, the school I went to, which is never going to be a mega famous university. It's a small little school in Spearfish and it's a beautiful little campus and it's a great school, but here's this mega famous at one time legendary broadcaster teaching all of the classes. And the one thing he taught us is, if you don't believe in yourself, no one's ever going to, you're, you, you are, this is why media people have egos and they're sometimes hard to get along with because if we don't think we can do it, no one's going to think we can do it. And that dude, man, that, what a lesson to learn 19 years old and this old hippie who, <laughs> who, who is like always down at the bar with his students drinking neat Jim beam and like, you know, occasionally smoking weed with them allegedly telling all of these great stories about these musicians and not in a has-been kind of way, but a really inspiring kind of way. And then that son of a bitch, oh my God, he was infuriating. So when you first got into radio and he kind of gave a shit about your career, he would follow all of these students. And Dave Diamond had, I bet he pumped out 50 legit radio dudes who are still in the business and like trying to do it still and like still trying to climb up that ladder. And he would follow your career for a while and so you would be like, I would be doing live afternoons on the air in the early 2000s and I'd be doing a bit and he would call out of like he would get the old radio studios used to have what's called the bat phone. It was like this red phone with a big light on it. And it would be the owner or the general manager or the program director, and they would call, and you immediately had to pick it up no matter what. Like, that's the that is the new nuclear Russian red phone. You got to pick it up. And he would get the number from general managers and owners uh, and explain what was going on. I'm his college professor. I like to listen to him. He would call that thing, and you would think you would be the boss thinking, hey, don't forget to read that, blah, blah, blah. And it would just be fucking Dave Diamond. And he wouldn't say hello. He wouldn't say how you doing. And he wouldn't say, hey, good show, but I think you should work on this. He would just do the following. Tighten the fuck up. And he would slam the phone down on the receiver. And you would be so mad. It would just be in infuriating but he was right and then if you really like he wasn't just doing it because he liked being an asshole the guy entertained hundreds of thousands of people over 50 fucking years whether or not it's on am or fm or the moon knowing how to do that is knowing how to do that and he would be right oh my god it was infuriating that guy they don't make him like that guy anymore someone needs to be in the colleges telling a bunch of students that they can do whatever they want to do and they don't need to get married when they're 10 and they don't need to stay here they can go everywhere and they can always come back like he had such a great message that's dave diamond man here's the old radio dudes and the next generation of old radio dudes upcoming i hope you're one of them and if you are i hope you work at the home slice media group uh let's do some sponsors Want to save a bunch of money on your next vacation? Go to MurdochJones.com. Right up at the tippy top there, there's a little banner that says Book VIP. And they have more reviews than any travel website on the internet. Over 4 million likes on Facebook because of their offers. And I have one for you. Save 83% on your amazing vacation destination. Right now, you can go to the Crystal Resort in Cancun for five nights. Includes all your meals and drinks for only $4.99 per couple. Five nights. You can only put you can put $99 down. How about this for a Christmas present? Put 99 bucks down on one of these vacations. Take the families there. Also, there's cancellation, there's free rescheduling, and there's and there's COVID restrictions and all of that stuff. Like, I'm not saying it's the safest place on earth, but like if you're gonna get out of town and do it. And also, you can reschedule for free or cancel for free, but you can still save 83%. Go to murdochjones.com, click on the link, and save on your sunny vacation. 
Also, uh, we'd like to thank Onnit for being a sponsor. Total human optimization at onnit.com. If you go to onnit.com slash Murdoch, which is M-U-R-D-O-C, you can save 15%. Also, right now, you can enter to win a year's supply of Alpha Brain, which is good for your memory and your focus. That is the one that I take. Um, it's really good, man. I can notice a difference and I'm not just saying that they don't send me any free stuff. I buy it just like you do. Um, it's a supplement that helps cognitive functions, including memory and mental speed and focus. And let me tell you, as I'm looking towards the future of my back nine, I could use more memory and focus. It helps with your mental processing. It helps with your flow state, which like being in the zone doesn't have any caffeine, you know, it's not it's not jacking you up like a Red Bull. It's a nootropic. You can do all the Googling. And like, I don't know if it's bullshit or not, but it helps me. I'm not a doctor. Um, I think it's real. I don't think it's a placebo effect. I believe in Alpha Brain. And you go to onnit.com slash Murdoch. You can save 15%. I think you get an additional 10 off your first order right now. And I get a few shekels, and that's helpful. So uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if um, you talk to a therapist sometime in the next handful of weeks about whatever's bugging you, you'll feel a lot better. Look at that. Made it the whole goddamn show without talking about politics or Trump and the whole deal. See, I can do it. So why don't you complainers just shut the fuck up forever and not listen or admit that you kind of agree with me and you just don't think you can change your mind yet. Oh, God damn it. I made it the whole show and didn't do it. And then at the very end, I did it. Gotcha. See you next time. It's time for the credits. I need to cut some credits. The Book of Murdoch. This has been a Home Slice audio production. This particular credit was recorded in Studio 2A. Executive producer is Mark. (laughs) He's in my cell phone as... Mark fucking Houston. <laughs> Executive producers, Mark Houston. Engineering, Chris Jaquez. I think it's Jaquez. I call him Jaquez. And he is certainly the smartest man at Home Slice when it comes to technical abilities. I'm Murdoch. I wrote this uh, photo and videography by Russ Danger Haddon. And all graphic design done by our chief brand officer, Robert Tiberius Henry. See more shows at homesliceaudio.com or check out the homeslicegroup.com. Thanks for listening. Give this a like or a share, and you have a great day. Mark has to listen to this, and he's going to be so annoyed, and that tickles my fancy. (laughs) So leave this goddamn piece in.